0: Good evening to all of my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 22 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, November 17th, 2019. And I'm recording significantly earlier than last week. If you recall last week in the beginning of the episode, I was saying, since I was at my cousins during the day and into the night, I didn't get to recording until, like, almost 11 o'clock at night. So now it's just past 5 today, and this, this I like. This is much better, much more on brand for my preferred recording time. And my god, it is cold out, and I hate it. I I hate the cold so much. Did, did I mention I hate the cold so much? Well, I hate it. So much. And I miss baseball. But <laughs> let's not get into all of that. Let's start things off by, as always, giving our first of many shout-outs to... The Team Left Jab United Radio Network. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and, of course, the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab, guys. And the interesting thing about this episode, too, not only do we have a ton to talk about as we do each and every Sunday, thankfully, but I also switched things up in the poll segment. So this week I chose, you know, I chose to switch it up a little bit. I chose to go on social media and ask you guys if there was anything you wanted to ask me, whether it be about me, the podcast, or baseball, or whatever's on their mind. I thought I'd give it to you guys, you know, each and every week. I come onto the podcast and I tell you guys that I put a poll out yet again for the week and I tell you guys to vote and reply with the reasoning for your vote and just dish it out to me and I, I really give you the question. But this week I thought it'd be interesting. We're all the way at episode 22 already, believe it or not. It's been going on for that long already, Yapping Yankees. And I thought, you know what, why not? We're pretty good into the podcast and I should switch it up a little bit with this segment. So I thought, why not ask the listeners... What they would like to ask me. If they have anything on their mind whatsoever. So I took to that. On both Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram I put in my Instagram story. That if you guys had any questions for me. Then you can reply to in my DM's and and ask me. And I went on Twitter and said reply below on this tweet. With any questions you have for me and I'll answer them. And I even shared the same Instagram story over to Facebook. So all three social media platforms had the opportunity to ask me any questions that were on their mind. So, I definitely left it open to everybody. So, I tweeted this about maybe five hours ago. So, I I think people have had a pretty decent amount of time to respond. I assume that once this recording is done even, maybe some more questions will pile in. But, for now, I'm just going to read out the questions that I got and answer them to the best of my ability. What do you think? So, Again, I tweeted it about five hours ago for this week on Yapping Yankees. Instead of having a poll, I'm having you guys ask the questions. In the replies below, ask any question about me, baseball, or the podcast, or whatever. Those who ask will get a shout-out on today's episode, of course. Let's get started with some of the questions, and I did get a good amount of them. I'll try to get to as many as possible. So, here's the first question from my good friend Tina on Twitter. We're going to start out on Twitter. at MountainGal456. She asked me two questions. The first one was, besides your love for sports, especially baseball, what are other hobbies or interests that you have? This is a good question. I, mostly, I just like to stay at home and watch television, honestly. I, I, I'm a big movie watcher. I really enjoy watching movies. If you know this about me, if you see me tweeting it and you know about them all the time, I, I'm a big fan of Marvel movies. I'm a big fan of Star Wars. I love the Rocky movies. I'll watch a, a lot of movies. I will. So I would say probably a movie watcher. I enjoy movies. I'm not like a movie critic or big time into film overall, but I really enjoy watching movies. And there are a lot of times that I even find myself staying up really late at night, just like a night owl, because I'm, I'm basically nocturnal. And I just lay there watching movies or shows or what have you. I really love watching movies. I, I, I also really like getting out like in the summertime. Like I'll, I'll enjoy going to play dodgeball with my friends or or I'll just go out there and I used to love to play baseball at my friends like we used to have like a little sandlot years ago. So like but that's in the summer. So right now in the winter, I kind of have like seasonal depression if you will cuz when it gets cold and and it gets dark out early and this goes back to what I was saying earlier when I hate the cold and the winter at large so much. I really do hate the winter cuz I feel like I don't I can't go out and do anything cuz the cold annoys me, the darkness annoys me, and the winter annoys me. So A lot of the things that I usually would like to do that I do in the summer, I don't really do in the winter. So right now, i probably just say, you know, just watching movies and just relaxing. I love relaxing. Big fan of it. And also, her second question was, you're getting a ton of questions regarding the Astros, which, which I did, and I'll get to those. So I'll ask about what you think of Boone not getting manager of the year, and what do you think of Baldelli winning it? So... I'm also going to address this later on in the in the topic segment of the podcast that I usually get to after the polls or questions segment. So I'll, I'll just briefly answer this. I, I strongly disagreed with the voter's choice for manager of the year, and I'm going to get into why later. I have my reasoning. And, you know, beyond common sense, which I think the manager of the year should have been common sense, but apparently with the voters, it is not because they just love to get it wrong, I suppose. But I... I really didn't agree with the voter's choice not having Boone win manager of the year. All Yankee bias aside, I think there are plenty of facts there that should have had Boone win the award, but to each their own. So that's my opinion on that. My girlfriend at Vic Salimo says, how do you feel about Matt Blake being our new pitching coach? Do you think he will improve the bullpen? Well, I I think the bullpen is pretty good. I I think if anything, I'm going to see how he improves the starting rotation. But really, moreover, obviously, this offseason, the real staff changes I want to see are to the, are to the training staff, as many of you know, because I can't stand them after what happened this year. Despite knowing that, of course, a certain amount, to a certain degree, injuries are bad luck as well. I understand that. It's not totally the training staff's fault. But I definitely want to see a change in that department. But of course, they let Larry Rothschild go, and they had to hire a new pitching coach, and they did. Um, me personally, and I, and I spoke about Matt Blake on last week's episode. Like, like any other human being that takes a job, until I see them actually doing it, you know, I'm gonna give them a chance. so i'm I'm looking forward to Matt to Matt Blake taking the position. I know that there are a lot of Yankee fans out there that, you know, whether some people viewed it as a realistic or an unrealistic option. I know a lot of people wanted David Cohn to get his shots since he did interview for the job after all. But now that Matt Blake has it, I feel he should be given a chance. I mean, there is a word around. I believe he's 33 years old, if I remember correctly there was the word around that he really is like a like a pitching guru almost so i mean i'm giving the guy a chance because he hasn't had a chance to do it yet with the yankees he just got a promotion from i believe he was with the indians prior to this he just got a promotion from the indians prior to taking the yankees pitching coach job so apparently the indians thought he was he was worthy of a higher job having to do with pitching development but honestly he hasn't had a day on the job as the Yankees' new pitching coach yet, and until he does, I'm willing to give him a chance. That's how I see I always give people chances, at least, before I criticize. Then we have at Kristen underscore Marie and why. Thank you for submitting your questions, Kristen. She had two as well. And the first one is, are there any unexpected players out there you would like to see in pinstripes this year outside of the usuals, and why? The only ones that I would really want to see in pinstripes is anything to improve the starting rotation. I want to see a Garrett Cole or I want to see a Strasburg. I have not hidden my desire for those guys to be in pinstripes come next season. So those are basically the only ones I'm really really interested in seeing as far as you know the usuals or so I, I just I think that's really what what is mostly being discussed this off season is really what the Yankees could do to improve the starting rotation, sign a Cole or sign a Strasburg. So I'd say that falls into the usuals category, so I guess the usuals, because, you know, I've just had enough of the beating around the bush with the starting rotation, and, and I really just want to see that big name like a Cole or a Strasburg when it's so rare you get two talents at the starting pitching position like that on the free agent market in the same offseason. Go after them. And the second was, what do you do to keep busy during the offseason? I know Yankees Twitter is definitely up for suggestions as we count down the days. Well, I guess it goes back to what Tina's question was earlier, what do you usually like to do, hobbies or interests? I just really like to watch movies or I just I watch the other sports as well. You know, I'm I'm a football fan, I am a hockey fan and a basketball fan a bit, and I'm a big fan of the WWE. I love wrestling and I also just love watching movies and TV shows. So that's that's probably what I'd suggest during the off season, but believe me, I definitely understand how tough it is to get by in the offseason. It's not easy. The offseason without baseball, which, as you know, is my favorite sport, it's not easy. It's heartbreaking, and it's boring. A lot of boredom some nights. I mean, I even tweeted last night, I think, that I'm really itching for a Yankees game. I mean, whether it be last night or tonight or sometime this week, I'm just really itching to watch the Yankees in action again, yet we still have probably about three months until we even see them or hear about the pitchers and catchers or position players reporting, so... Yeah, it's, we still got a while to go, and it's not easy to get by sometimes, but we'll be okay. <laughs> then up next we have at team underscore left jab. So team left jab, you get getting another shout out. How do you like that? <laughs> Does the use of technology make the Astros cheating even worse, or is it just a product of the world now, and a lot of teams will try this now? Well, I'm sure a lot of teams will try it eventually, whether they, ca- they get caught or not. I'm not sure. Usually the truth, in my experience, has a way of coming out as it did with the Astros this past week. So maybe they'll try it. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But I I think it's definitely even worse. I mean, I'm I'm sure that it's a product of the world now because technology is so prevalent in the world today, and it's such a big deal, and with everything at our fingertips the way it is. But I definitely think that it's even worse because, you know, stealing signs in general with your eyes, like if there's a runner on second base and they see a pitcher's grip, if, if the pitch is being tipped or whatever, or if... If they could see the catcher sign from second base with your eyes, that's always been legal. But electronically stealing, and all the stuff that they went through, which we will get into later when I talk about this in depth, all that they really tried to do, all the intricate little details that they had to accomplish to get this done, I'd say it's even worse. I mean, it, it really is thought out. A lot of steps went into this. It really is. So I'd say even worse, definitely. Without a doubt. Then we had at wuthrich 24 not baseball-related, also not sure if you've answered this one yet, but what are your thoughts on CM Punk returning as a Fox analyst? Think it may lead in, into an in-ring return? Well, this doesn't really have to do with baseball, but I'm. this is about me, and, and a lot of you out there do know that I am a wrestling fan, so I'll, I'll answer it. I'm thrilled that CM Punk is back. I thought that hell would freeze over, over before he did return, and I even tweeted that when it was revealed that he appeared on WWE Backstage. I quoted WWE's Twitter tweet about uh, about CM Punk being back, and I made an announcement saying, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure that I can confirm to all of you that hell has indeed frozen over." So, but I I am very happy he's back. I always liked CM Punk, and and it's definitely you know a fact that so many fans around the world like him, considering. Every single boring segment, his his name in a chant seems to come up at one point or another all the time. So, I, I'm so I'm very happy he's back. I'm not sure if it'll lead into an in ring return. I hope it does because when he does come out, hopefully it's a surprise and not spoiled ahead of time just for ratings. The pop should be ridiculous, and I'm very happy he's back. And I do hope it leads to an in ring return. At Tegan Graham 23. So I bet most of these are baseball questions. So I'll lighten the Sunday night mood a little bit. Would you rather be able to fly 10 miles per hour or run 100 miles per hour? Another one. Would you rather have all traffic lights that you approach be green or never have to stand in line? Have a good week. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Tegan Graham is a good friend of my brother's. He's a really funny kid, and I really enjoy his company and his comments. He's just... <laughs> silly questions. I'll address both of them briefly, I guess. Would you rather be able to fly 10 miles per hour or run 100 miles per hour? I've I've always wanted to fly... But 10 miles per hour is pretty slow. I think I'd rather just run, because I could just get anywhere much faster. So I'm going to say run. Run 100 miles per hour. And then the second one, would you rather have all traffic lights that you approach be green or never have to stand in line? I'm going to say have all traffic lights that I approach be green, because especially driving to and, to and from work, 35 miles in each direction, five days a week, and and at some points throughout having to deal deal with lights and just anywhere else that I usually go, you know, on a weekend or something, or anywhere. You know, I deal with enough traffic in my day to just have enough with any and all traffic, whether it's caused by a light or not. So I'm just going to say have every traffic light be green. (laughs) So stupid. Thank you, Tegan, At Laker 477. Hey Mike, do you think Carlos Beltran will be successful as the Mets manager? And do you see the hashtag Astrosgate fallout affecting him at all? I do think he'll be pretty successful. I'm, I'm not exactly sure because it's always hard to tell with first-time managers. I mean, he could go in there and sneak up the place or he could go in there and be great. I don't know. Because being a manager and then being a player, two very different things. Because you go from being a player and just really managing yourself for the most part to managing an entire team. It, it's different. Even though, I, of course, I, I know a lot of people will mention the fact that to a large degree, the managerial position is just a figurehead at this point. I get it. But I'd like to think that a lot of managers for a lot of teams still like, you know, have some input with what's done and what's not done. But I, I definitely understand what people say with that. But I'm not exactly sure. I'll say for now that, yeah, I guess he'll be successful. But anything can happen. Hard to tell with first-year managers. And as far as the Astros' fallout with this scandal... Uh, well, that depends on whether they choose to suspend him or not, because I know that there are many reports that he was involved with this, along with Alex Cora, because they were both with the Houston Astros back in 2017, if you remember. But of course, it'll, it'll affect him if he's suspended. If he's not, then I guess not. So I guess that's my answer to that. We'll have to see what the punishment is from Major League Baseball once the investigation is wrapped up. Then we had Team Left Jab again. How do you rate the Astros cheating compared to past cheating methods? Like in parentheses, steroids, stealing signs, scuffing the ball, etc. I see this as one of the worst. And I'm not just saying this because the Astros or the Astros have beaten the Yankees in the last two or the last three years. I'm not saying because of any of that. I'm just saying because of what went into it. I mean, you had to plant a camera in center field. And you had to have it focus in on the catcher's signs. You had to have a little television with in the tunnel with, with probably someone there standing and watching it to see the catcher's signs. You had to have that person relay up the sign to the dugout, and then have the person in the dugout probably use a bat to bang a metal garbage can, so the batter could hear the bangs and know what pitch is coming. So a lot of to go into this, and it's very intricate and very, very complex. So I would say that this is one of the worst, really, because even when you even when you think about scuffing the ball or or steroids, especially the steroids, I mean. I don't like cheating no matter how many people are involved, who does it. I I don't like cheating regardless and I come down on all cheaters equally. But steroids you're also just talking about one person. This this was a an, a scandal involving an entire organization with even the higher-ups knowing about it, which again we'll we'll also get to. So I I'd say one of the worst if not the worst without a doubt. Then we had at Laura underscore Icemont. Laura, another good friend of mine from Twitter. What is your favorite holiday and why? My favorite holiday has always been Christmas. I just think that for the most part, it just brings a lot of people happiness and joy. Um, and I've, I've always just liked it since I'm a little kid. The gift exchange and, and just the overall feeling to it. It's just a happy day. I don't like the season that it's in because it is in the midst of the cold and the winter, which as if I haven't already said it enough times to the point where you're probably getting ready to shoot yourself. I hate it. <laughs> but I do love the holiday itself. And I and I've just I really have. I just love the time with family. I love the just the overall consensus of the of the holiday, the theme of it, the happiness and the gifts and just all of it. I, I've always loved Christmas. And then we had Justin at I'm underscore bleach bit. The evidence is piling up on the Astros. What do you feel is a fair punishment for them? I've thought about this a lot, and I'm not—I really don't know, to be honest with you. And I'm not sure a lot of people do know. A lot of people like to dish out their opinions on this, and and whether it be ridiculous or not. But I have thought about this to a deep extent. And if I have to answer the question, I'd probably say— They definitely should get fined up the wazoo. A lot of money being lost. A heavy, heavy fine. I'm talking millions of dollars. Heavy fine. Probably get some draft picks taken away. I know a lot of people were mentioning cancel them out of uh, potential postseason contention in 2020, which is extreme. I'm not so sure about that. Of course, I don't see them stripping the World Series title away from them from 2017. But, of course... People will always remember that and look back on that with a frown on their face, especially fans from opposing fan bases, because they say, hey, look what happened that year for them to get there. And I don't I don't disagree with that. I feel the same way. So I guess draft picks, heavy fines. That, that's really all I have in mind for now. I mean, I'll, I think this will be more easier to answer once the actual punishment from the league does come out after the investigation's wrapped up. And then I could come on Yapping Yankees and tell you how fair or unfair I think certain punishments are or are not. So I think this is a better question to answer once the actual punishment from the league comes down. But but for now, I guess the draft picks, they should definitely have a lot of them taken away and and definitely get fined a lot of money. Some people should definitely lose their jobs over this. There should be heavy suspensions. On Whoever was involved anyone and everyone especially the ones that were that were behind the brains of this and the creation of this system this elaborate system that was created so And the league of course did come out and say that the punishment for this should be unlike anything we've seen in in recent history in the sport so I hope they're serious about that because this does warrant a massive massive punishment So we'll see what the league does with it, but that's what I think for now Lots of suspensions, possible loss of draft picks, fines, the whole deal. Then we add, at Osvaldo Alcant S, how do you think this Astros scandal is going to end? Well, I think it's going to be, especially with all the reports that came out between The Athletic, between John Boy at John Boy Media, and Ken Rosenthal, and all of it. The players speaking out like Mike Fires and Danny Farquhar, which again, we'll get into. Uh, it's going to end badly for the Astros. <laughs> I, I think there's there's no two ways about it. At Sharducks, if you were Cashman and was offered Trout for Judge in a straight-up trade, would you take it? (laughs) I hate these questions. I really do. (laughs) Uh, Trout for Judge. I'll just say, yeah. I love Judge to death. It's not a dig at Judge or anything. I'm just such a big Trout guy. And I truly do think Trout is just the best baseball player in Major League Baseball for a consecutive amount of years now. And I think he's going to have stupid numbers by the time he's done. So, I I guess Trout for Judge. Yeah, whatever. I hate those questions, though, for the record. Don't, you know, don't take that too personally. At C Lawler 95 how and when did you become a Yankees fan? Yeah, very good question. So, to those of you who have been wondering this or may have been wondering it, well, here's your answer. I started to watch baseball a little bit in 2007, but I do... I do have a shocking revelation for you. And that revelation is the fact that, believe it or not, for the first 10 years or so of my life, because right now I'm 22 years old, and I'm going to be 23 in a month and a half in January, and I was born in January 97. For the first 10 years or so of my life, I really thought sports were dumb. I hated sports. This may come as a shock for you, but I know I've told many people this, so some of you do know this. But for the first 10 years of my life or so, I hated sports. I thought they were incredibly stupid, and I didn't see the point in them. But I I did find a sort of a fascination for baseball, which is where it all started for me, and that's mostly why it is a part of my heart. It is my heart, basically, and my favorite sport in the world, and always has been, always will be. But really a major factor for it was also my grandfather, who was a diehard Met fan when he was here. My grandfather passed away earlier this year in March. You know, may, may God rest his soul. I miss him to death. But he was always a big Met fan. And back in the day before the Mets were around, he was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. So my grandfather was a big baseball fan for a lot of years. And even when I didn't like sports, you know, whenever we went to see my grandparents, I would see him watching the Mets. And, you know, in like 2007, I started to just turn the other cheek a little bit with sports, particularly baseball, of course. And... My dad and my grandfather used to always take me to Shea Stadium... ...and a lot of Met games, I guess, to try to brainwash me. I could tell you right now, as you can see, it didn't work. But, really, I, I was taken to those games and I didn't have a fascination for it. That was in the time of my life that I hated sports. But then in 2008, after I was watching eh, a little bit in 2007 maybe... ...just when I'd catch my grandfather watching or... ...I'd catch it scrolling through the TV or whatever. In 2008... My dad happened to get tickets to a Yankee game in the old Yankee Stadium the last year it was up. And I would go to two games that year. The first one I went to, the first time I ever walked in the stadium, it was like I walked into the gates of heaven. I thought it was beautiful. It took my breath away, quite frankly. It was unbelievable. From that moment forward, I fell in love with the Yankee Stadium. I fell in love with the Yankees after thoroughly enjoying the whole entire baseball game. After every game I would go to Shea Stadium, I'd be asking my dad to leave in the fourth inning. But I I would I thoroughly enjoyed the Yankee games. And then I started little by little to watch the Yankees more and more and more. And I watched them a decent amount in 2008. I really did. I became a Yankee fan. And I really became attached to the team, the history. And, and just, you know, Derek Jeter is my favorite player ever. And I loved watching him. And he still is my favorite player ever. As a matter of fact, I think there's a question about who my favorite player is coming up. But that is Derek Jeter. And I'll say it again in a bit. But I really just fell in love with the Yankees, and I fell in love with everything about them. I really did. I just really became a true fan, and I, and I really enjoyed watching them. And then in 2009, when the whole thing with the, with the old stadium being knocked down happened, and the new stadium went up, and they'd win the World Series, that was it. I exploded. So, been watching baseball, legitimately been watching baseball, even if it was just for a little, 2007. Consistently watching, 2008 And then going die-hard status probably end of 08 and then into 09. I was was really die-hard. That was how and when I became a Yankee fan. When I first went into the stadium, and then also just seeing it throughout my childhood with my grandfather watching it. And then, of course, throughout the years, you you know, the rest is history. And my grandfather and I always spoke about baseball, and it was just, it's been great. I've really enjoyed my time as a Yankee fan and as a sports fan overall. And here was the question Who my favorite player is But C.J. Lawler went on to say again In another question Who is your childhood and present favorite players And he said I'm not sure how old you are No big deal But again as I said I am 22 years old January 3rd I'll be turning 23 My favorite player of all time And I, you know going back to my childhood even When I first became a baseball fan Derek Jeter Favorite present player I've said Judge many times, so I'll stick with Judge. But if you're going off the Yankees overall, my favorite non-Yankee is Mike Trout. I love Mike Trout. I'm a big Mike Trout person. So I'd probably say Judge or Trout for favorite present-day players that are not retired. But favorite player of all time and favorite player that I I loved when I started watching, Derek Jeter, hands down. So thank you for your questions, CJ, as well. Let's keep moving on along. At Sean Young 2... Besides Yankee Stadium and Citi Field, have you been to other parks outside of New York? Yes, I have been. I've spoken about this. I've been to Fenway Park. I've been to Wrigley Field. I've been to Miller Park. I've been to AT&T Park. I've been to Camden Yards. And, of course, Yankee Stadium and Citi Field. And I've also been to the old Yankee Stadium and Shea. I don't think I'm forgetting anything. I think that's everywhere that I've been. So, yeah, those are the other ballparks I've been to outside of New York and I've I've thoroughly enjoyed all of them. AT&T, Wrigley, Fenway, Camden, all of it. I've enjoyed all of it. So that that's that's really that and I really I really enjoyed every every ballpark I went to. I thought all of them were very nice. And fortunately for me, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Every game that I've been to outside of New York has been a thrilling one. Every baseball game that I went to has been great. Everyone at every ballpark has been thrilling. Lots and lots of fun. So those are all the questions that I see that I got from Twitter. I know I got one from Facebook, so I'm going to head over to Facebook right now and get a hold of that question, and it was from my good friend James Celestin. You know him on Twitter as at AnimeSoldier01. He asked me. He had two questions as well himself. He said, if you could be able to have any five guests from Yankees Twitter to be on the show, who would it be? Well, it would definitely be some Yankees people if I could have access to them and get them. Definitely Ryan Rucco. I would love to talk to him. I would love to talk to John Boy. Yankees Twitter. I would probably have my friend Jell on the show. I probably have... I really don't know. I'd-, I'd probably have you on, James. Just a lot of my good friends on there. I would, def- I would have a lot of them. And I have my list somewhere. I kind of lost the list, but <laughs> it's probably my phone somewhere. But I, I do know who I'll have on, but top five, I'm not really sure, and I don't really feel like single anybody out right now, so I don't, I don't like to single people out, so, because then other people get jealous or upset or whatever. So, just those are the names that I, that I named for now, but just know that there are definitely plenty more that I have planned in the past. And the second question I got, who's more likely to win a title first, Rangers or Islanders? I, I think it's safe to say the Islanders. Of course, the Islanders have gone longer without winning a title. The most recent one to win a title has been the Rangers back in 94, of course, and they did make it to the Stanley Cup five years ago, but they lost to the Los Angeles Kings. Terrible time for me. Stayed up late into the night watching those games only to see losses, but it was still fun nonetheless at times. Uh, But I definitely do think the Islanders are closer between what they were able to do last year, what they're doing this year, definitely. They're playing great. And the Rangers, while I feel they will win again, not sure when, but I think they will again at some point but the Islanders are definitely closer the Rangers are still trying to find their way they had themselves a good off season this past offseason but I think the Islanders are closer therefore they will win first and then I did have some questions on Instagram I'll go over to those we'll start my good friend No Way Jose he's also on Twitter at No Way Jose he said Marvel or the Yankees one has to go which is it? <laughs> Jose you're evil <laughs> you are evil but the Yankees are my heart. They always have been since since 2008 and always will be. I love them to death, and they're my biggest passion in this world. And although I love Marvel, I'll have to give that up. Marvel goes. Yankees stick around. <laughs> then my brother's good friend at MattSchwartz.14 on Instagram, he said two questions as well. Do you think DJ should have won American League MVP? No, I do not, believe it or not. I like that Mike Trout won, and you know that I'm a big Mike Trout guy. I do not view MVP as how a player aids their team, and of course, if a player aids their team the way DJ did, then yeah, DJ should probably win the award, but however, I do see it as individual performance. Um, I, I, I do see it as that, and individually, even though he did also miss the better part of the last three weeks or so of the regular season, Mike Trout still put up better numbers, and he still had a fantastic year, and as I said consistently for many years in a row now, I definitely feel he is the best player in baseball, and therefore I'm fine with Mike Trout winning, I'm a big Mike Trout guy, and I'm totally okay with him winning, I do think it is ridiculous, however... I do think it is ridiculous that DJ did not at least make the finalist in voting. I definitely think he should have been a finalist. I thought that was dead wrong that he wasn't. But I am totally fine with Mike Trout winning. Totally okay with that. And the second question was, do you feel that the Yankees need to sign anyone over the winter? Hell yeah, starting pitcher, Cole Strasberg. Strasburg. <laughs> so there's my answer to that. And then the last a uh, few questions I had were from an old friend of mine from college Chloe C. Beauty says growing up were you interested in playing a certain sport that you never got around to so she asked me a few this was the first question and yeah when when I was growing up as I said you know I, I, I did hate sports growing up until I was around 10 years old so no growing up there wasn't a sport I wanted to play I didn't like sports but at some point I did want to play baseball and I got into it And I did eventually when I was 14 but the thing is a lot of the people that I I was playing with in Little League at that point had been playing since they were kids and as far as actually playing the game they were way ahead of me I I had a lot of trouble hitting the ball at high speeds because I didn't grow up doing it I didn't I had a lot of trouble doing that I was always a great defender I was able to play lots of positions on the field. I was able to play any outfield position. I played second base. I even played shortstop a couple of times. I I was very good on the field and very good defensively. But hitting a ball, I had a lot of trouble with. So, I I, I guess never got around to? No. But the sport that I did eventually get around to but only did it for a year because I couldn't hit very very much that well? Baseball, yes. How did you get into sports? What made you grow to love it so much? I already explained that earlier. My grandfather... Uh, being a Mets fan and just being taken to stadiums a lot of the time, and then just really going to Yankee Stadium was really the final straw for me. Fell in love with the stadium, fell in love with the Yankees, and then blew up, of course, you know, in 2008 for the last year of the stadium, and then when they won in 09. it's was a big deal. And I just really fell in love with them. Why do you like the Yankees instead of the Mets? Because I, I, I just felt, I honestly, I'm not a bandwagon fan at all. I, I know more about the Yankees than most do. I, I, I really feel that way. Um, and, and I and I really, really just felt a bond with them when I fell in love with the Yankees. I loved the stadium. I loved the team. Derek Jeter, as I said earlier, was a big factor into me becoming as big a Yankee fan as I became. And I really just loved the team, the history, the organization, the players, just everything. I just fell in love with the Yankees, and honestly, that should be enough because when I was little, if I really enjoyed the Mets trust me, I went to like 10 or 15 Mets games with my grandfather and my dad when they got tickets, and each and every time I went, I was miserable. So even as a little kid, I didn't feel that connection, that hook that you usually feel with teams that you love. I didn't feel it. And I did go back to Mets games, even when I started to get into it, and I still didn't feel that connection with the Mets. I felt that connection, that bond, that love for the Yankees. So I can't really explain it. I just, I love the Yankees. And And also, I just always thought the Mets were like, eh, (laughs) <laughs> I can't really describe it, but I really have been ragged on from my dad's side of the family because my dad's side of the family, as you can imagine, since my grandfather's a diehard Met fan, a lot of them always ragged on me, be like, where the hell did he come from? We're all Met fans. Well, not me. I changed the trend because I'm a Yankee fan. My brother's a Yankee fan. We're changing the trend here in the family, guys. <laughs> Who do you think is the worst team in baseball history? Wow. I would probably say in this decade, the Orioles were pretty bad. <laughs> the Mets when they first came around in the early 60s. I don't know. But worst team in baseball history. That There's, there's a lot of them. There's a, there were a lot of bad teams throughout time. The Yankees in, in some parts of the 80s. In, in like the mid to late 60s, too, they were a disaster. I know, just there were a lot of times, a lot of times for a lot of teams. Every bad team, every team goes through their bad points throughout their history. And you know, there there were a lot of errors. Worst team in baseball history. That that's tough. Probably the Orioles a few times. I mean, I you know we've seen them lose 115 games or 110 games. That's pretty bad. (laughs) So I'll go with them for now, off the top of my head. Who is your favorite player and why? Already, I've said Derek Jeter. I've just thought the way he carried himself on the field and carries himself off the field, and always did carry himself. Just overall, I just feel he has such an elegant stature of class and dignity, and of course how great he was as a player on the field. I've just always had an immense amount of respect for his for his, how he is as a person and his skill as a ball player. I've always loved Jeter. What influenced you to start a podcast, and how's the journey been in getting everything together for it? Well, fortunately like many of you know, I am a former talk show host at my college radio station when I went to college. I graduated in May of this year. And, you know, being a talk show host on two talk shows, one with my good friend Matt O'Leary and my own solo show as well, I really became familiar with a lot of elements of radio and how a lot of things work with a lot of editing and just all of it. And how, you know, with, with levels and everything, and I even have a job at a radio station out east around Konkama, LI News Radio, I board up and produce for them. So I know I know a lot about radio and a lot of behind-the-scenes things. I'm very I'm very knowledgeable in this sense. So getting everything together for it, I kind of knew what I had to get and what had to go into it when I was starting it. But as far as, as, you know, starting the podcast, I just thought since I was graduating college and my two talk shows were going to end, which they did, of course, I wanted to keep the broadcasting skills, you know at the top. I wanted to keep my skills really, really sharp and solid. And I feel I have with this podcast and also just how much I love the Yankees and how much I love this subject. And I love baseball. And I just, I just love talking. I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to start a Yankee podcast. Why not? Because until I get a job or this and that, I might not be too busy. And this will be a fun hobby to do on the side, even if I don't make money with it, which I'm not, but I don't care. I really enjoy doing it and delivering this content to you and just and just talking in front of the microphone. I love doing this. It's a lot of fun. This is my passion. And many of you out there know that I hope to be doing this one day professionally on the air at a radio station, and I'm on my way because I already have a job in in Long Island Radio. Hopefully one day it'll lead to something and maybe this podcast will really really truly explode. Even though I have a good listenership now. It does pretty well on iTunes, it does pretty well on SoundCloud and you know, I really enjoy the interaction that I get with you guys on social media. This podcast does very well, but if it ever, you know, just really, really explodes into something massive, that would be awesome, and it continues to grow all the time, but you know, other than that, my aspiring hope is to do this professionally on the air someday, and just really honing my skills and keeping them sharp, I really thought that starting a podcast was a good idea. I already knew what had to be done to get into it. And it was just, it was the right thing to do. I really enjoy doing it. I love doing this. It's a lot of fun. So that's really it for the questions. To the best of my knowledge, I hope you enjoyed that segment and you you enjoyed being able to ask me questions for once. I hope I got to everybody. I got to as many as I could. But it is time to get into the talking points of the day as time continues to tick along here on episode 22. So let's get right into it. We have two really big topics from this past week, of course, that I assume that you already know of. The first topic that I want to tackle briefly is the manager of the year and how Aaron Boone did not win. I definitely feel he was snubbed and I feel it was common sense that he should have won. I know that the voting between he and Baldelli for the Twins was very, very close. I do know this. However... I have my reasons, and many other people have their reasons, which I consider to be facts because they are, that Aaron Boone should have won. Because people can go out there and say that, hey, the manager doesn't have as much a say in affairs anymore. He's just a figurehead. He's just there to just really sit there and just, you know, just be there. And that's fair enough. I get that claim. And and, and, I, and I understand. And that's why I'm not too fired up over this, over the manager of the year voting, But I do think it was wrong, nonetheless, that Aaron Boone did not win. I think it was wrong, and I'm going to voice my opinion about that. This man, straight up for most of the year, took the AAA Rail Riders when this team was bombarded with injuries and managed them to 103 wins. He was there for them, he helped create the Savages slogan, and he was really, really fired up. I saw a lot of differences in him, as I've mentioned in the past, from what he did in 2018 to what he did in 2019. I saw a lot of positive differences in him. I saw better in-game managing at times. I know there are still plenty of times where I didn't agree with some of the things he did in-game, sometimes in the postseason, sometimes in the regular season, and hey, that's going to happen. You're not always going to agree with what a manager decides to do in a game. You're not always going to agree with it. But nonetheless, there were many things that I felt he improved upon, like in-game decision-making in tw- from 2018 to now, and the fact of how much this team had to endure with hardships and obstacles, mainly the injuries, 30-plus injuries, 30-plus people to the injured list. And all the things that had to fall right for the Yankees throughout the season with Aaron Boone at the helm of it all, getting this team to 103 freaking victories and one home run behind the team whose manager did win the Manager of the Year award, one home run behind them despite everything that happened to the Yankees, I do truly think that Boone deserved this award. And I'm not taking anything away from Baldelli. He did a good job getting the Twins to 101 wins. That's a, that's impressive too. But the fact of the matter is, is also, you could also use the fact that the Yankees even beat the Twins in the first round. They crushed them. I definitely would have rather seen Aaron Boone win, which I, I truly feel is correct. And a lot of fans around all of baseball, no matter who they root for, I've seen thought that Aaron Boone should win. I am by far not the only one in this because I truly do think that it was the right decision. But I also do feel that Kevin Cash should not have finished in third. Kevin Cash had a better case of winning than Baldelli to me. I mean, Kevin Cash has changed the way that baseball's done and what he was able to do to manage his team between the usage of the bullpen and his pitchers and what he's able to do with such a low payroll and and what's available to him. I definitely think that that was more impressive than Baldelli too. So I would have had Aaron Boone finish first personally and Kevin Cash second. I strongly disagree with Kevin Cash finishing in third, too. I thought that was ridiculous. So just a lot that I disagreed with here. I truly do think that with everything that I mentioned, managing a lot of the time the AAA Rail Riders to 103 wins and just binding this team together and being as influential of a, of a guy as he was between the Savages thing and just really just weathering the storm throughout the entire year no matter how bad things got with injuries or other hardships... I, I, I think it was a home run to give Aaron Boone the manager of the year. But I'm not, I'm not fired up over it because, again, the managers definitely, with some organizations more than others, don't have as big a say, and that's a fact, as many of you like to mention over and over again, and I get it. But I think it was wrong that he didn't win. I do. I think he was snubbed. Just like Andujar was snubbed of the Rookie of the Year award last year. And I will continue to stick to my guns on that as well. So that's my take on the manager of the year thing. And of course, the DJ LeMahieu thing was mentioned as well with not winning MVP. I'm glad that he won the Silver Slugger. He definitely deserved to win at least something from this year after the remarkable 2019 season he had. But nonetheless, I, I'm, I'm fine with Trout winning, but I definitely do think DJ should have been an MVP finalist. He should have been. He was, he was phenomenal. Possibly one of the better Yankee signings in a long time. Long, long time. DJ Lemayhu, And as far as extending players, that should be top priority, locking DJ down with his organization, as far as I'm concerned. So now, let's get to the topic that we've all been waiting for. And after we talk about this, this will be the end of the episode. Of course, earlier this week, it was revealed by many that the Astros' cheating scandal with stealing signs was actually a thing. They had been accused of this through the years since 2017 by many parties, and many names, some unnamed, it doesn't matter, but a lot of people were accusing them from, you know, using cameras or whatnot in 2017 all the way to now with the Yankees claiming they heard whistling in this year's ALCS series. So, really, it's just been a mess. And earlier this week, this started an even bigger mess when this was revealed and proven. The Astros were caught with a camera in center field, a secret camera in center field, that directly fed a television in the Astros' runway, which if you don't know what the runway is, it's not an airplane runway at an airport. (laughs) The runway is the area between the clubhouse and the dugout, in which you walk to, to go up to the stairs into the dugout, and then of course you're in the stadium. So, that's what the runway is. And apparently there was a TV in there that was getting a feed from this camera that would be focused in on the catcher's signs. They would then relay... From the signs, which pitch was coming, at which point someone in the, in the dugout would probably take a bat and bang on something metal, people were saying a garbage can, and then by hearing those bangs, how many bangs there were, or if they were bangs at all, the batter would know which pitch they're receiving and give them a clear advantage. I'm not saying this would automatically guarantee success because it's one thing to know it's coming and then another thing to hit it. There's no doubt about that, and I'm not arguing that. But are you going to really dispute with me and tell me that knowing the pitch that's coming doesn't give you an unfair advantage? If you deny that, then you're simply you're simply just a homer that has too much bias to even have a civil conversation about this sort of a thing, or you're just completely in denial, and you're, you're just not able to be spoken to about the subject. But regardless, this week has been a mess because this was revealed. It was mainly revealed thanks to The Athletic, Ken Rosenthal... Lots of other names coming out of the woodwork like Mike Fires or Danny Farquhar. And it was also and it was also helped by video evidence with the Twitter famous and overall media famous, I think it's safe to say at this point, John Boy, who has created this remarkable John Boy media empire at this point. And you know, he's come out with many, many videos, just coming out with iconic iconic moments such as the Savages in the Box moment. He was the one that supplied us that audio by raising the levels with the microphones that were in the stadium and caught what Aaron Boone was saying. And now he's done something else major in really busting the Astros in this sign-stealing scandal. So with the help of all these names and all these people just exposing the Astros for the cheaters that they are, you know, you really have these names to thank. A lot of people, I mean, a lot of people have been in on this. So we're going to get into it all, and when it comes to the Astros fans, I'm not even going to mostly address this because a lot of the reactions from the Astros community have just been downright outlandish and irrational because a lot of them are either in denial that this is happening and they don't want to face it, so they just they, they say these ridiculous things to just sort of combat it, or it's a, or it's a deflection seminar. But, oh, you know, it's not like the Yankees didn't cheat or, or with steroids or or any other team didn't cheat with steroids. Well, yeah, a lot of teams, almost all teams, basically all teams had players on it with steroids, and nobody even said that that was correct. When did somebody say that taking steroids was okay? We're not saying that the Astros cheating isn't okay and then everybody else cheating is. That's not what we're saying. We're simply up in arms about the Astros who won the World Series in 2017 when this whole thing started. We are upset that we had to watch our teams fall to a team that was cheating the whole time. And when I say our, I'm speaking for Yankee fans, fellow Yankee fans. I'm speaking for Dodger fans who lost to them in 2017 in the World Series. I'm speaking for Red Sox fans who lost to them because the Red Sox lost to them in the 2017 American League Division Series. I'm speaking for many fans throughout that had to watch their team lose games, be it in the postseason or not, because the Astros were cheating. I don't even want to hear the deflection seminar or just telling people to just relax or just not be so fired up about this, because if the Yankees did this, oh boy, would the baseball community be up in arms about this. Everybody, everyone has a right to be upset over this. And as I said earlier, you could steal signs with your eyes if you're a runner on second, pitchers tipping his pitches, or you could see the signs or binoculars or what have you with your own eyes. Go ahead. Electronically, it's not allowed. That's what it comes down to. And don't be contacting John Boy or Ken Rosenthal or anybody involved in exposing the Astros with this and just, and just saying these horrendous, horrendous things to them. Don't shoot the messenger. Your organization did this, and they're just mentioning it and talking about it and exposing them as they should be exposed. So if if you want to get mad at John Boy, or you want to get mad at Ken Rosenthal, or you want to get mad at anybody else, Mike Fires or Danny Farquhar, just do yourself a favor and shut your mouth. And sit there and really take in the fact that your organization cheated their way to a World Series, cheated throughout the last two seasons as well at times, and there's nothing that you can do about it other than accept it. What I really do want to get into more over anything is really the arrogance and how stuck up this organization has been, all the while knowing that they were doing this all along. And the man that I'm gonna mention first off is the man that you know that I've called out many times for being arrogant, is AJ Hinch. And John Boy on Twitter even reposted a video. I'm gonna play you the audio for it now, gonna remind you what A.J. Hinch said at this time amidst a lot of people accusing the Astros of cheating along with many of the other things that that he's said throughout time amidst these accusations. And through it all, of course, he knew that this was going on. So here's a clip that John Boy replayed, so I'll give credit to John Boy for this, that he put on Twitter about A.J. Hinch addressing the people that have been accusing the Astros, him, the organization, and the players at large, and just everybody. Here's what he had to say in response to those air quotes, sources that were accusing the Astros of cheating for a long time. We have people that are that are unnamed um or you guys have sources that are that are giving you information i suggest they put their name by it if they're so passionate about it to comment about my team or my players well aj you got what you wanted didn't you because mike fires and danny farquhar and even ken rosenthal and john boy were the ones to really come out alongside all the video evidence and expose all of your cheating dirty ways So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to head over and read some of the official statements that you may have missed throughout the week from Mike Fiers and Danny Farquhar himself. And as you know, Mike Fiers pitched for the Astros from 2015 to 2017. So when this was going on in 2017, he was there for it and he came out and really exposed the Astros for their wrongdoing in this cheating scandal. So here's the background of the whole thing, of course, as you probably already know. In 2017, this is from the Business Insider. In 2017, the Houston Astros used an outfield camera, a TV in the locker room tunnel, and a system of noises to steal signs. Three other Astros sources confirmed the sign-stealing system to The Athletic. And according to The Athletic, Major League Baseball has heard of the specific sign-stealing system before, but had, quote, not gathered sufficient evidence to prove the Astros committed wrongdoing, end quote. The league is expected to investigate the allegations during investigation into the Astros' former assistant general manager, Brandon Tobman's firing, and of course it's going on. And fires said, quote, they were advanced and willing to go above and beyond to win. I just want the game to be cleaned up a little bit because there are guys who are losing their jobs because they're going in there not knowing. So Mike Fiers definitely doing the right thing and coming out to the media saying that, you know, because there are guys losing their jobs over things like this and because it's just overall wrong, you know, it's time for me to open my mouth about this, as he should. And Danny Farquhar came out with a statement himself. He pitched for the White Sox twice at Minute Maid Park in September of 2017, which then it was accused by others as well that this continued into the postseason and even throughout the last two seasons as well but especially at this point in time. And you even heard one of these from one of the videos that John Boy released, his first video, in fact, of the banging coming from the Astros' dugout whenever an off-speed pitch would be put down as a sign. So here's what Danny Farquhar had to say. He said, quote, a banging from the dugout, almost like a bat hitting the bat rack every time a change-up signal got put down. And he said, after the White Sox switched to more complex signs, the banging stopped. And there's video evidence of this. With Farquhar on the mound in 2017 for the White Sox and Evan Gaddis up at the plate, whenever a changeup sign is put down, you hear boom, boom. And then whenever a fastball is put down, you hear nothing. And then when they switched to more complex signs, they put down a changeup sign. I assume the Astros person watching the TV in the runway didn't recognize that sign. So there was no banging at all. And then he struck out because, hey, he thought it was a fastball coming. So, that, so he struck out and swung at the out-of-the-zone changeup. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable what has taken place. Absolutely unreal. And even many players had stuff to say about this. Even Aaron Judge went on Twitter and said, Are you kidding me? Or wait, what? Kevin Gossman went on Twitter and said, This Astros thing is bad. Guys lost jobs, got sent down. Missed service time because of how they were hit in Houston. Does anyone really think they only did this in 2017? Hashtag get real. So there are a lot of people that opened their mouths about this and responded to this news coming out. This exposure of this horrible cheating. And I also want to give a shout out to my good friend on Twitter at Little Gel. Mentioned her earlier. And she sent me an article that came out from The Athletic last night from Ken Rosenthal. Again, basically proving all of this evidence even more so than it's already been proven through video evidence from John Boy, through stuff told to Ken in The Athletic from Mike Fires and Danny Farquhar. So here's a part of the article that came out yesterday from The Athletic. It's a lot, so I'm not going to read necessarily all of it but I'm going to read a good amount of it. I'm not going to read all of it because I don't want to put you to sleep. And this article is huge because it also proved what I said earlier when I was answering your questions, that not only were they involved in this with the team, but even the higher-ups, the executives of this organization were involved in this. Everybody knew, and that's what makes this even more devastating. But here are the words from The Athletic. An Astros front office executive wrote about the team's desire to steal signs in an August 2017 email that was obtained by The Athletic. As the club discussed its advanced scouting plans ahead of the playoffs, the executive asked the team's scouts to pursue sign stealing from the stands and suggested cameras could be used to do so. Quote, One thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. The email sender wrote in a message from August of 2017. What we are looking for is how much we can see, how we could log things, if we need cameras, binoculars, etc. So go to the game, see what you can or can't do, and report back your findings. The email was sent to multiple people and provided to The Athletic on the condition that both its sender and recipients remain unnamed. Major League Baseball declined to comment on the legality of scouts using cameras, which would require a public interpretation of a broadly written rule from 2017 that is applicable to an ongoing investigation. The rule prohibited electronic equipment from being used for the purpose of stealing signs or conveying information designed to give a club an advantage. The Astros declined to comment. The email at least reflects the mindset of the team's front office in 2017 when another sign-stealing effort was already underway. Last week, The Athletic published a story detailing a scheme the Astros used involving a center field camera at Minute Maid Park that was fixed on the catcher's signs. Scouts discussed sign-stealing with the executive outside of email as well, on phone calls and in a group Slack channel multiple Astros scouts said they were appalled by the possibility they would be asked to use a camera and said that some scouts indeed voiced as much to management another scout noted a generally confounded feeling amongst the group by the overall request quote nobody wanted to do that and take a chance of getting caught and ruining their reputation not only as a scout but then even further damage what the Astros had going what Astros management did with any information learned throughout the project or how they intended it to evolve is unclear. It just goes to the story. For 2017, we were asked to electronically cheat in the playoffs, one scout said of the long-term intent as he perceived it. MLB rules made it permissible then and today for scouts to steal signs in the stands as long as the signs are not being communicated during that same game, and so long as those signs are stolen with one's own eyes or binoculars, a source familiar with the rules said. The potential use of the camera, however, could have been a rule violation in 2017. And it was. You're not allowed to electronically steal signs. You're not allowed. So the final thing I have to say about all of this, after giving you all of that information, and by the way, if you want to read the rest of it, because that's not the entire article, if you want to read the rest of what The Athletic had to say last night, be sure to subscribe to The Athletic again. I want to give my good friend Jell a shout-out at Little LittleJell on Twitter. She's great. Go follow her. She subscribes to The Athletic, and she showed me that portion of the article. So, Jell, thank you so much for that. If you want to read the article in its entirety, be sure to go subscribe to The Athletic. But after this whole scandal thing has been revealed, and it still continues on almost a week after they were exposed, the last thing I have to say is, again, I just have to go after the Astros at large, and especially A.J. Hinch. Especially. The arrogance and the smug attitude despite knowing all of it. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what you do or who you play for. I don't like cheaters. And you deserve to be punished. That's how I personally feel about it. The nerve of A.J. Hinch to go out there all smug and arrogant... After all big victories and all of the big moments throughout Astros history the last three years, and to go to the media after the Yankees accused them of hearing whistling in this year's American League Championship Series and say, oh, well, if it was that simple to set the Yankees off, we would have been doing that since spring training. What a jerk. What a jerk. And if you're an Astros fan listening to this podcast right now, and you're getting aggravated at what I'm saying... I got news for you. Don't listen to me. Because I come down on cheaters hard. Just like I'm coming down on your organization hard right now. Relentlessly. Your organization cheated. And I have no patience for that. And I hope they get punished beyond recognition. Like all organizations that have cheated... Like yourselves, throughout sports, Houston Astros, you're a shameful embarrassment to this game that I love so much. And the game that I hope to be talking about professionally on the air someday, along with the other sports, of course. And you ought to be punished severely for what you've done once this investigation is wrapped up. Disgusting. And the nerve to act as arrogant as you did while having the knowledge that this was all going on throughout the entire time. And I hope all those involved in this get punished just as much. I've pent all this up inside of me for the last five days since this came out. I've been waiting forever to finally give my take on this on the podcast. It's disgraceful. And once again, to the Astros fans, stop making it a deflection seminar. We get it. There have been many cheaters throughout the game's history, whether it be scuffing the ball, as Team Left said earlier, the steroid era, whatever you have to mention. And guess what? When those happened in my time watching, I came down on them just as hard, whether they were a Yankee or not. There is no bias on this podcast. And I make sure of that. I pride myself on that. Accusing other fans of crying, too. How dare you? Of course we're going to be upset. Because while you were doing those things, they were done against teams of ours like the Yankees. They were done against teams of fans like the Dodgers or the Red Sox. In your path to success, it was done against all of us. It was done even against teams like the White Sox in the regular season. It was done at some point on film against the Mets. It was done against almost everybody at your stadium. And no matter how this ends, which I hope it ends in punishment... There are definitely going to be players on opposing teams whenever they go to Minute Maid Park having that thought in the back of their head. And there are always going to be fans of opposing teams that when they watch their team play on television or if they travel on the road to Minute Maid Park to see their team play the Astros at Minute Maid Park, it's always going to be in the back of their mind now. So Astros, you have duped yourselves. You have doomed yourselves and your reputation and your history. That championship in 2017... Although I'm more than willing to admit it is unrealistic to expect Major League Baseball to strip you from your title, it is forever tainted, and every single time it's brought up throughout history, people will remember this, and that should make you feel like crap enough. Like I said earlier, I don't care who you play for, who you are, and what you do. If you cheat, you deserve to be punished, and I'm going to come down on you just as hard. If I were an Astros fan, I'd be disgusted with my organization. Disgusted. I wouldn't even know what to say. I'd probably take a break, a hiatus from social media and Twitter in shame. I get you want to stand up for your team. But don't do it in such a ridiculous fashion that you're in denial of what they did... ...and turning it into a deflection seminar. Because while I'll admit cheating is cheating, period, I don't show any bias in that... ...when you're deflecting the argument with, oh, steroids, steroids, steroids... ...well, guess what? With steroids, not that I like to compare cheating... But that's also just one person. You have to acknowledge how big of a scandal this was. This was done from top to bottom. The top executives in the organization knew about this happening. This makes this a major scandal. A major scandal. And what the punishment for this is will determine how good or bad of a commissioner Rob Manford truly is, in my mind. This was disgusting. It made me nauseous throughout the entire week. The more video evidence came out, the more statements came out through The Athletic that I have to hear of this garbage organization taint the game that I love so much and that so many love so much throughout the entire country. People like this throughout the sport need to be weeded out. And anybody else that's using this technology and anybody else that desires to use this technology now or in the future, get them out too. Stop tainting the game that I love. Take your cheating ways somewhere else and leave. And I hope anybody else, you know, reports came out that Alex Cora was involved in it in 2017 and that Carlos Beltrum was involved in it when he was in the Astros then. If they were, punish them too. Punish everybody. Punish anybody that had anything to do with this. Disgusting. And shame on every last one of you that had anything to do with this, including your higher-up executives. And if it was any other organization, any other organization, I would still come down just as hard on, because I don't like cheating. You win with integrity. You win the real way. That's what I believe in. So moreover anything, I'm just disgusted and appalled at what has come out in this last week or so. And I assume more and more crap will just continue to come out as time continues on. And you know what? Let it all keep coming out. And let those in denial and let those angry ones fire at those exposing all of this. Because guess what? Those people like John Boy and Ken Rosenthal, they're just doing their job and trying to protect the integrity of Major League Baseball, as they should. And as anyone who truly loves this game expects them to do. So take your ridiculous comebacks and your deflection seminars and shove them where the sun don't shine. You want to accuse me of crying or whatever in the midst of all my yelling on this episode? Guess what? This isn't crying. This isn't saying, oh yeah, strip them of their title. This is passion from someone that loves the game of baseball. And if your team went to Minute Maid Park and was cheated against at some point or another, you should be just as angry as me. Even if it wasn't on as big of a stage as the playoffs, like the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Dodgers were. Stop being angry at Dodgers, Yankees, and Red Sox fans and any other fan base for what your organization did. Be angry at your organization. They did wrong here. Everyone else is just exposing them and reacting to it like they should. This is a very social world, especially with social media. Get over it. Your organization is disgusting. I've lost any and all respect that I had earlier on for the Astros. Any and all that I ever had is gone. And as I said earlier, enjoy opposing teams and opposing fans of those opposing teams going to your ballpark and forever feeling uneasy playing there because of this disgusting scandal. And I hope they're punished to the fullest extent. Get it done, Manfred. Get it done. As far as what I have to say on this subject and on episode 22, though, that is it for today, though, guys. It got really hot there because I just had to. I had to. I've been holding this in for five days. You have to understand. And while I've given my pieces on Twitter and on social media as a whole, because believe me, I have, I hadn't been able to get my takes out here on the podcast itself in the last five days. And I was eagerly awaiting today all week long. And I'm glad That I finally got to do it. Because I was itching for it. Because I can't stand scandals like this. I can't stand it. So now that that's out in the open. Maybe more will come out. And we'll talk about it next week. But I just wanted to hit on it for today. But as far as episode 22. I would like to thank you so so much for listening. One last shout out to Team Left Jab before we wrap up here. They feature Team Left Jab Boxing Radio, Team Left Jab Uncensored, and of course the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab guys, and while you're at it, be sure to follow me on all social media platforms. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter which I'm always very active on, as you know, at Mike Scudero, and my Instagram as well, at MikeScuds97. And I also want to thank all of you who submitted questions to me for me to answer on today's episode. I really enjoyed that. Maybe we'll do that again at some point in the offseason when there possibly isn't as much to talk about. But once again, thank you 3,000 for listening. I'm Mike Scudero, and I'll talk to you next Sunday. November 24th when I come at you with episode 23 of Yapping Yankees. And hopefully there aren't as many veins popping out of my neck. But until then, have yourselves a solid week and keep those chins up, guys. Take care.